0: Something remarkable happened this week. Early Thursday afternoon, Queen Elizabeth II passed away peacefully in the United Kingdom. It's remarkable because she reigned over Britain for 70 years and 214 days. And that makes her the longest reigning monarch in British history. That's a pretty shocking fact because that's a long history. She served over 15 prime ministers starting with Winston Churchill from 1951 to 1955 all the way up to Liz Truss whom she formally appointed on September 6th just two days before the Queen passed away. Hers was an improbable reign, to begin with. And yet it was remarkable in its length and success. In fact, remarking on Queen Elizabeth II's reign and what it made it so successful, Carl Truman, in an article this week, said this: "She did not view the institution of the monarchy as a platform on which to perform the faux, intimate ways that make public celebrities instead." She saw the monarchy as something larger than herself, something to which her personal interests had to be subordinated. See, being queen is not about getting your way. That's what Queen Elizabeth understood. She understood that she was serving a bigger cause an institution that was bigger than herself, that the monarchy and the people of Britain were more important than her own interests and wants. See, the weight of the monarchy is massive. Leading carries a heavy weight. There are people's lives, a whole country that is at stake. And as we turn our attention this morning to Hebrews 13, verses 17 to 19, we see that there is an even higher calling in life. A calling where people's souls, not just their lives, but their very souls hang in the balance. Eternity hangs in the balance. A calling that will give an account to God Himself one day. In this passage, the author of Hebrews touches on the high calling of the pastorate and the responsibility that goes with it. This morning we'll see purposeful submission and powerful prayer. Purposeful submission and powerful prayer. But before we jump into it, I actually want to start this morning. In 2 Peter 3, verses 16 to 17. It's a well-known verse. It says this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture. I want to start there because as we turn our attention to Hebrews 13, Verses 17 to 19 this morning. I find myself in a somewhat uncomfortable circumstance. And so I want to remind you here at the beginning that the power of preaching is in the Word of God. I'm not here to preach my opinion. I'm here, not here to preach what I want, but to interpret and proclaim to you the Word of God. And that's important for you to understand Because I do find myself in an uncomfortable circumstance, not because I'm ashamed of this passage. I am not in no way ashamed or embarrassed of what this passage says. But I want to start there because the passage that we now turn our attention to deals directly with me as pastor and my role and your responsibility. Or to put it another way, maybe a little bit more bluntly, Today the Lord, through His Word preached by me, will instruct you to obey and submit to me. It's the type of passage that a smarter man than me would probably have lined someone else to preach to you about, rather than try to preach it himself. But I pray this morning that you can see my heart behind this. This is not a passage that I just picked because I love to just pound this into you. This is a passage that the Lord has led us to as we have worked our way through the book of Hebrews. It's a passage that I will preach boldly because I am preaching the Word of God. My kids tell me sometimes I'll get home after church and they'll say, Dad, why were you yelling? I promise you, I'm not trying to yell. I'm, just, I'm passionate. I'm speaking the Word of God. And so this morning, as I speak, if I get passionate, and if I, if I start speaking up, and I start, I, I don't yell, but I start getting louder, that's not because I'm just trying to pummel you into the ground. Submit! That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm preaching the Word of God, I love the Word of God, and so I get passionate. So I hope that as we turn our attention to this passage, you will see the heart of a pastor behind it. That I preach this out of submission to God's word, out of humility to his purposes, not any kind of pride in and of myself. So, with that mindset, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning as we turn our attention to you, even as we were just reminded in song, we are thirsty. We are weak. We are a people so often overcome by fear. And so this morning we do come to you. We come to you alone for you alone are good and faithful and kind. We come to be filled. We come to be satisfied. We come to be strengthened. We come to be given hope. To be reminded of the mercy that is new every morning, of the grace that is ours in Christ. So Heavenly Father, this morning, strengthen us, encourage us, satisfy us, work in us for Your purposes. For we know that they are for our good. Heavenly Father, this morning give us humility to hear. I pray that you would light the fires of conviction and passion in our soul. That we would see the high calling that is ours in Christ that we would see that the task is unfinished and though we live in a broken world, we are waiting for a kingdom that is coming, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Work in us this morning, Heavenly Father. I pray that you would give me power and authority to proclaim the words of God, the words of life and power and glory. With clarity, that your name may be lifted high. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As I said this morning, as we turn our attention, to this passage, we will see a purposeful submission and powerful prayer. And it really begins with a call to purposeful submission. In fact, this, this idea is kind of started all the way back in verse 7, where the author of Hebrews says this, as we saw last week Remember those who rule over you. Well, who are these? Who are these that rule over us? They are those who have spoken the Word of God to you. They are those whose faith you are called to follow and to consider the outcome of their conduct. They are those, even as we see this morning in this passage, who watch out for your souls. It is clear in the context of Hebrews 13 that these who rule over you, as this passage phrases it, are your pastors. So remember them. See their lives of faithfulness. Consider the outcome of their faith. And this morning as we come to verse 17, obey them and be submissive to them. In fact, verse 17 starts with that word, obey. Obey those who rule over you. The ESV phrases it this way, have confidence in your leaders. Have confidence in them. A confidence that that leads to joyful submission and obedience. It's hard to obey those that you don't have confidence in, is it not? Brothers and sisters, have confidence in your leaders. Obey those who rule over you. It's more than just respect. It's a confident obedience. Brothers and sisters, what we see very clearly in this passage here is that pastors are called to authority. Pastors are called to lead the church under the authority of Jesus Christ. And this authority is to be understood, this call to obedience is to be understood in the context of Hebrews 13, 7. A context where they are assumed to be faithful. Do not obey and submit to a man who is not faithful to the Word of God. Do not dare to obey and to submit to a man who does not faithfully speak the Word of God to you. But as long as he is one who is faithfully preaching the Word of God, whose faith you can and should follow, then obey him. Now, don't hear me wrong. I believe in congregational government. We see that very clearly in passages like Matthew 18 17. Acts 6, 3 and 5. Acts 13, 1 to 4. Acts 15, 3 to 4. And 22, 2 Corinthians 8, 18 to 19. These are all passages that show us that the congregation is vitally involved in the authority and the, the, the um, government in the church. The church is not a dictatorship. And yet, at the same time, we see this language here. In Hebrews 13, 7, to remember those who rule over you. Here in verse 17, to obey those who rule over you and be submissive. So how do we reconcile these things? How do we reconcile the clear evidence in Scripture, and those passages already listed, that the congregation is involved in the the authority and the, the ruling, the government of the church, and yet that the pastor is to be obeyed and submitted to. That he is to rule in the church. How do we reconcile those two things? I think the best way to understand it is this. That, brothers and sisters, I, as pastor, am not a puppet to fulfill your will. I am not here to do what you want me to do, but I am God-appointed and church in a church recognized leader for the equipping of the church for the work of the ministry, as Ephesians four eleven to twelve says. That yes, I as pastor, I do set the direction and I lead according to the Word of God and my authority comes from here as I preach this. And as you submit to me, you are submitting to the Lord and you are submitting to His Word. And yet, as I lead, I don't lead by telling you where to go. I lead by being among you and showing you where to go, and we all go there together. You don't take my word for it. I point you to the Word of God where you look with me and you look and you see, yes, you're right, we will go that direction. So obey those who have the rule over you. And not just obedience, right? Because you can obey someone with the wrong attitude. I see that for my kids all the time. I know that in my own heart all the time, right? I can obey someone with the wrong attitude, but it's really, even as you obey, it's being obedient with the attitude of submissiveness. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Yielding to authority recognizing that that your pastor has been put there by God. Really, when you get down to it, when you submit to your pastor, you are really submitting to the Lord who has put him there. If you are not willing to submit to your pastor, then that says something a lot deeper than just you don't like him. I tell my kids that all the time. All right, they'll, they'll come inside and they're whiny and they're hot and, and I think it's time for an i I'm not tired. You say that, but your actions are telling me the exact opposite, that you really are tired, right? Your actions are telling me something different than your mouth. Brothers and sisters, if you are not willing to submit to your pastor, if you are constantly butting up against him and fighting him, then what you are really saying is that God has made a mistake. Either that or your pastor is in sin. And if that is the case, then there are some very clear steps that you need to take. Again, I'm not talking here of just total do-what-you-want. But as a pastor who is faithful to the Word of God, as he preaches faithfully day in and day out, as he shows you faithfulness in his life, do you trust the Lord who has put him there? And do you trust him enough to submit yourself to his ministry? To say, God has put you here. I don't see any reason in the word of God to oppose you. There is nothing here that would call me to call you into question. So I will obey with a heart of submissiveness. I will yield to the authority that God has given you. So, first, here, recognize your responsibility. As a congregation, you have a responsibility to be obedient and to be submissive to your pastor. Again, don't hear me wrong there. As those who, who stand firmly on congregational government, sometimes that's kind of hard for us to hear. It sounds like squeaking on a chalkboard. But again, it's right here in the Bible. It says, obey those who rule over you. It says to be submissive to them. So see it there. See your responsibility as a congregation to a faithful man of God preaching the Word of God and living faithfully as an example. But why? Really, the, verses, the end of verse 17 goes on to say why. It, it, it opens your eyes to the responsibility of your pastor. Why is it that I should submit to this man? because they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Because they watch out for your souls. It is a privilege to pastor, but it is a privilege with great responsibility. The idea there of to watch out, it's the idea of constant vigilance, tireless vigilance, Other places where we see this word used, there's a Mark 13.33 or Luke 21.36. The idea of awareness and threatening peril. Of someone who stays up while you sleep to keep watch. It takes me back to my early parenting days. I told the story before of the most overwhelming night of my life as we had one twin, and the other twin was in the NICU. And I stayed up all night with that, just one. And I remember thinking, how in the world am I going to parent two of these things? I don't have any chance. And then getting home, many of you know this feeling, when you, when you get home with that baby, and the nurses are no longer there. You're on your own. It's overwhelming. It's scary. I don't know about you, but I didn't sleep well. I would wake up every couple hours to go and to check on this child. Make sure he's still breathing. Make sure he didn't roll over. Make sure, I don't know, anything. Just I want to check. I was tirelessly watching out for him. I never realized how how dangerous the world around us was until I had kids. It's like everything is out to get them. And so I was constant in my vigilance. I was tireless in my watching out for them. I think another example that many of us would get is, is comes from the Lord of the Rings. The idea of Samwise Gamgee, who is right there alongside of Frodo on the entire journey. In fact, there, there's one scene at the end of the, the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, where where Frodo's kind of getting in a boat and he's going off on his own. He says, Sam, I have to do this by myself. And Sam says, I know, and I'm going to do it with you. And he goes right along with him. Right? He's tireless. He's not going to give up. He's not going to let him do it. He will carry him if he has to. Brothers and sisters, that is the idea of a pastor who is fighting for your soul. He's watching out for your souls because even as we've seen here in the book of Hebrews, there are temptations all around. Time and time again, the call, do not fall away. Do not give in. Do not be tempted. Warning after warning. Because like a a parent with a newborn child You see how dangerous the world is. You see what is at stake. And so you fight with everything in you. A constant vigilance. Notice there's a constant vigilance for your souls. For you with an an eternal focus. Recognizing that this earth is not all it is. Recognizing I am fighting for your soul because there is a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that you are a member of. Live like it! There's more at stake here. And your pastor does this as one who must give an account because he recognizes that one day he will stand before God himself and he will have to answer for how he watched over your soul. That is why you have warnings and passages like James 3.1 one. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Even in Acts 20, verse 28. As Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His blood. Because this is not your church. It is Christ's church. And you will stand before Him one day and you will give an accounting to Him. The pastor has authority in the church, but he is just an overseer. He is an under-shepherd, as it's sometimes phrased, who will report to the shepherd of the church, to Jesus Christ himself, who will give an account. So, brothers and sisters, see that. Know your responsibility as a church member to submit, to obey, but also see the responsibility of your pastor. See the weight that he carries and what is at stake here. So when he comes to you and he says, hey, I notice you haven't been in church for a few weeks. It's not because he's worried about the numbers. It's because he's worried about your soul. When he comes to you and he says, I saw some some things on social media that kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. It's not because he's worrying about things that are none of his business. It's because he is concerned for your soul. I hope that you can see that this morning, that when I come to you, if I approach you with, with things that I see in your life, It's not because I want to control every little area of your life. It's not because I think I have some special insight that you don't have. It's because I will give an account one day. It's because I am concerned for your soul. It's because I want to see you in that unshakable kingdom one day. In fact, that's what the author of Hebrews goes on to say next. Recognize your responsibility to obey and to submit. Recognize His responsibility to watch out for your souls, knowing that He will give an account. Therefore, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Let them do so. Let them rule over you. Let them lead you. Let them disciple you. With joy. Submit to the ministry of your pastor with joy. Not because he's the greatest preacher you've ever sat under. Not because you think he's funny. Not because you get along really well with him. Not because you agree with everything with him. But because you recognize that he is the man that God has called to this church And that as he is faithful to the word of God, and as his life stands as an example, that you are called to therefore obey and be submissive to him. See that your pastor recognizes that this is not about him, that there is more at stake here. This is not my church, it is Christ's church. And I am just the pastor here by the grace of God for, who knows, 10, 20, 30, probably not more than that, but who knows, maybe less, I don't know, but for right now, I am here and I will pastor to the best of my ability, knowing that I will give an account one day. So brothers and sisters, let me do that with joy and not grief. It's the same idea that we see in Ephesians 5, as you have the husband and the wife, and, and the wife is called to submit to the husband, and the husband is called to love the wife. And part of my responsibility as a husband is to love my wife in a way that allows her to submit to me in joy. Part of my, my, your responsibility as a wife is to submit to your husband in a way that allows him to lead and to love you with joy. Brothers and sisters, part of your responsibility as a congregation is to submit to me in a way that allows me to lead you with joy. And part of my responsibility is to lead you that allows you to submit to me in joy. And I do that by faithfully preaching the word of God, by being an example in word and in deed. In fact, there's many examples. Paul especially writes a couple times in First Thessalonians 2.20 and Ephesians, or Philippians 2, chapter 1, and even into chapter 2, verse 16, about the joy that he has in these congregations. You can just sense it spilling out of his pen as he's writing. I find joy in you. John, in 3 John 4. There's nothing that brings me more joy than to know that my children walk with the Lord. That is what fills me with joy. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. Because you see, I will fulfill my responsibility whether it is joyful or whether it's difficult. You hear horror stories sometimes of just church members. I'm, a, I'm part of a pastor's group on Facebook and, and sometimes people post things and you're just like, wow, I'm thankful for my church. You hear horror stories. And yet, as a pastor, I am called To love and to lead and to watch out for that one, even if they are fighting against everything I do. Even if they are calling into question my character, even if they are lying behind my back. What I am called to do is to love them, to preach the Word of God to them, and to be faithful and to trust God to work it out. I will fulfill my responsibility please let me do it with joy not with grief. Because not only would that be unprofitable and difficult for me, it's unprofitable for you. Because you see, I am watching out for your soul. Lord willing, by the grace of God, I have your best interests in mind. I am leading with your soul, with eternity in mine. And if you are constantly fighting against that, there's a good chance that you'll find yourself in eternity hearing the words, depart from me, I never knew you. In fact, the idea here of unprofitable is an understatement. it could very well be a sign of apostasy, a sign that you never truly believed to begin with. So submit to my ministry. Doing so with joy. As we work together in the ministry with joy. Because it is profitable for you and for me. And for the world as they hear the gospel as they see a church that loves and submits to one another. So purposeful submission, mindful submission, recognizing your responsibility as a church and recognizing your pastor's responsibility. And then also, powerful prayer. Not only remember your pastor, not only submit to or obey your pastor, but also pray for your pastor. The author of Hebrews here says, pray for us. The idea is, keep praying. You've been praying. Keep praying. Don't stop. Prayer works. Why? For for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Apparently here, the, the author of Hebrews and his associates, whoever is with him, they're under some kind of attack. We don't know the details. We don't know what they're facing, but it's, it's something that has drawn them away from these churches. Maybe they are in prison. Maybe they are just stuck somewhere facing persecution. Maybe someone somewhere is, is lying about them and seeking to, to, to turn their ministry upside down. Like Paul faced in Galatians. They're under attack in some way. And yet they know that their consciences are pure. You see, these are leaders who understand their calling. They understand their responsibility. And they are faithful to it. They know that they have a clean conscience. This person or, or whatever this opposition is that I am faithful that I am facing I will be faithful through it because I know that I have a clean conscience I know that I'm doing what the Lord has called me to so I will be faithful to his word and to his church in all things we have a good conscience we're desiring to live honorable we're facing something and notice here what he says he doesn't say therefore therefore Petition your Roman governor. Therefore, write letters to Caesar for me. Therefore, send care baskets. He says, therefore, pray for me. Those are all good things that we can do. We live in a government where we have access, where we can write letters, where we should. The Lord has blessed us with, with resources and we should be sending those out and we should be loving one another. But the most powerful thing that you can do for your brothers and sisters in Christ right now is pray for them. Because prayer is powerful because prayer works. So pray and pray often. Pray always. Pray believing. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Also notice here, notice the struggle that he is facing you see your pastors your pastor is human he faces temptation he faces fear as these people are attacking or maybe this this the writer of hebrews finds himself in prison maybe his message has been attacked maybe his character has been attacked and he writes here, I'm confident that I have a good conscience. I'm confident that in all things I desire to live honorably. And yet I guarantee you that deep inside himself, he's questioning that. Maybe, maybe I have done something wrong. Maybe maybe I haven't been as faithful. I know I haven't been faithful. I know my own heart. I know how sinful I am. So brothers and sisters, pray for me. Pray that, that I would be delivered from this But pray for my very heart and my soul. Pray that I would stand strong, that I would not be overcome. Because pastors are human. We have fears, we have temptations, we have struggles. And though we stand strong and we know that we have a good conscience as we're standing on the Word of God, as we seek to live honorably, I so often find myself second-guessing myself. I so often find myself wondering if I did that right. I know I make mistakes. I know I am weak. But by the grace of God, He is strong. So pray for me to cling to Him Pray for me to find my hope in Him. Famous pastors throughout history, Charles Spurgeon himself, is known to have struggled regularly with depression. Your pastors are human. Pray for them. In fact, pray even more. Verse 19, I especially urge you to do this, to pray for me, that I may be restored to you the sooner. seems likely from this passage here in the end of, verse, of chapter 13, verse 18 and 19 that the writer of Hebrews is either currently one of the elders of one of these churches or he has been in the past. He has a special relationship with this church. They know him. He knows them. And I want to be with you. Pray for me. Pray for me where I am and pray, Lord willing, that I can be restored to you all the sooner. How sweet it is to be with God's people. I enjoy the opportunities that I have to go down south to be with my family. I enjoy going back and visiting the church I grew up in or going to church with my parents where they are now. But there's nothing like coming home there's nothing like coming to your church that God has called you to, that you have covenanted together with, that you are working together in joy for the, by the grace of God for the purposes of the gospel. So pray for your pastors. So finally, as we come to the end, our way of application, number one, Brothers and sisters, obey and submit to your pastors, understanding that the Word of God here lays that out as a responsibility for you in the church, knowing the responsibility of your pastor, knowing that he knows that this is bigger than me. It's not about my wants. It's about Jesus Christ and his church and what he wants. Secondly, care for your pastor. Understand that he is also human. Understand that he is also weak, that he also faces temptation. So care for your pastor. Pray for your pastor and his family. Submit to your pastor and care for your pastor and pray for your pastor. And I want to say this as, a, as, a, as the pastor here currently. I shouldn't have added that currently on the end. That sounds like it's about to end. I am the pastor here. <laughs> and I want to say this, that, that from, from my perspective, you all do this well. You all do this well. I am very thankful for a church that submits to, that loves, that cares that prays for your pastor and his family. And I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. You do this well. Keep doing it. Keep doing it.